How's that for an opening line? I'm just full of opening lines. It's, it's not quite as good as my one from Sunday, but we all have existence. Thankfully, none of us are ceasing to exist tonight. Just go like this. Be like, I'm still good. Okay. Unfortunately, now, so existence, existence, if you look at the definition of existence, existence is the fact or state of living, having objective reality. Now, we all have also not only existence, but we all have, all have purpose. Now, unfortunately, there may be some here tonight or watching online that would say absolutely for the existence part. Like, I don't think we deny our existence. You might not be happy where you're at, but you know you exist right now. We're all existing. But some would disagree that they have purpose, or maybe they don't know what their purpose is. And purpose is the reason something exists. So you know you exist, but you have a reason for your existence, and that's your purpose. When we talk about existence, I don't think many people will struggle, but the purpose is where people struggle. What are my talents? What should I be doing with my life? Well, in the context of church, I'm really excited because these are really nitty-gritty life principle topics tonight. And then next week, I'm actually going to be talking about eight tips for managing conflict. And so we just got a couple of good weeks of good life skills coming up. I always hesitate to share what I'm talking about because in the first few years when I started doing serious teaching and I was principals for life, I would do like promotional slides and I'd be like, this is awesome. I'm so excited to teach this. But then what I found is people were like, eh, that's not one of my favorites. And so like some of my most heavily, heavily promoted topics have the least amount of people. And so like somebody might be like, ah, I listen about no conflict. I'm staying home. Don't do that. Okay. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good stuff. But in the church, what you do with your giftings and calling, that's called ministry. So tonight, I want to talk for a little bit on this topic, finding your purpose in ministry. Practical. Finding your purpose in ministry. If you know people who have a call of God on their lives, I would suggest sharing this. Again, when I tell you to do that, it's not because I'm trying to get my name out there, um, but because I think sometimes we cover content that is very pertinent to where people are. And so if you know somebody who's like, hey, I feel called, I'm not sure, what do I do next? How do I walk in this? How do I develop this? How do I identify this? I would share this message with them. Um, it may be something is said that would help them. But people will sometimes ask me, what's my gift? They ask this while trying to discern God's will. They're aiming to do what God has called them to do and hopefully not miss it because I think if we have this belief in God, we want to please him and we don't want to miss something that he has for us. And so we're really trying to go, what's his will? How do I walk in it? How do I identify it? And so, but instead though of asking what's my gift, sometimes it's imperative to start by looking at what is my opportunities? What are my opportunities? What needs to be done in my immediate context? We cannot just sit and talk about the talents and the gifts that we have. If you've ever come across anybody, don't look around, don't raise your hand, but they're just like, yeah, you know, they're always talking about their gifts and their talents, and you're like, what are you doing with them? Okay? And we cannot just sit back and talk about them and do nothing in the meantime. If there's a church project, right, and this is not a prophetic word, but just in case, if there's a church project where there's demolition going on in a space, 
And let's say you say, my gift is in finished work. Well, at that moment, we don't need finished work. And so we need someone to swing a hammer, carry stuff out, put things in dumpsters, sweep floors. That might not have been the first thing that you refer to when talking about your gift. But in the context of the need of that particular situation, that's what's needed at the present time. And so when it comes to working for Jesus Christ and serving in the local church, there should never, ever be a job that is below us. Now, I know we will say that's right, but when we are presented with the opportunity to serve in a job that we don't want to come out and say it like that, but there should be no job in the kingdom that is below us. If there's something below you, then there are also a lot of things above you. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 23, 11 and 12. He says, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So when pursuing your purpose in the kingdom of God, it must start with this a willingness to serve before a desire to advance. There has to be a willingness to serve before a desire to advance. One of the keys to identifying what your gift is or what God might be calling you to do is this. Look for patterns in your opportunities. Don't just lock yourself into one area of ministry that you think you're called to, you think you're good at, and you might be. But if all you ever do is say, all I do is just do this right here. This is what I'm good at. And you might be good at it. Pay attention, though, to the doors that God may be opening for you on a regular basis. For instance, if you frequently have an opportunity and you find yourself encouraging people on a regular basis, well, guess what? You might be an encourager. If people are calling on you to teach on a regular basis in different settings, you may have the gift of a teacher. So oftentimes our calling is more frequently seen in hindsight. For those of you that maybe are a little bit older, have been in ministry a number of years, I think you probably can relate more than maybe a new believer or somebody who's younger because sometimes when you're younger, you're hungry for God and you just want to be used of God and you're like, I'll go wherever, I'll do whatever. And we're just, we just desperately want God. And sometimes we're looking for God to be like, hey, voice comes out of the sky and goes, thus saith the Lord, pack up and go here at this time. There will be someone waiting for you by the name of, like we want the whole Paul Ananias experience and it's awesome. But God does not, he will sometimes, but not always. Actually, rarely. It's usually you're walking by faith, not by sight, and you're on this journey. And there's some things in life that they, they're just not clear un, until you look back in retrospect, okay? I think about all the areas in which I served growing up. I can't say, I went to Argentina as a missionary, on a missions trip, and I'm like, I can't be like, oh yes, God spoke, my life was changed. There's times I'm like, I don't really know why I went there. I mean, I served in sound and audiovisual stuff, ushering, clean the church. I did, I did I've, I've told you this, I've did everything in a church except for serving nursery. And Sister Jen said, I, I'm hired if I want it. 
told her she hasn't ran my background check yet, but. But here's the thing. I look now and I'm like, wow, that has equipped me, I feel, to be a better pastor because of all the areas in which I serve. And so for me, when I look at you serving in areas that I know I've served, I know what it takes to serve in those areas, I'm so much more grateful to you as a person for what you do. And even how I was sent, and I've told these stories, so I don't want to get super in-depth, but how I was sent to go speak at church plants in the state of Wisconsin. And how I'm like, okay, I'm just going into small churches. Sometimes I would preach to four people. Sometimes there'd be 24 people. It, it, it would just vary. But I learned to love church planners. And I learned to appreciate people that were out there and rolling up their sleeves when they didn't have big crowds, but they were the ones that were setting, that putting seed in the ground. Fast forward like 20 years, and here I get to serve as the North American Missions Director, helping people plant churches in the state of Missouri, and God put something in me that I didn't have a clue he was putting in me at that time. I wasn't like, well, this is cool, Pastor Tamil. Thanks for sending me here, because one day I could move to Missouri, and I could help plant new churches in the state of Missouri. Honestly, back then, I didn't even know there was a difference between Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. All I knew is Montana was here, and you guys were trying to make the playoffs. That's what I knew about Kansas City. But, but I, I, a lot of these things, now I can look back retrospect and go, wow, I see the hand. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this on Sunday. I'm excited about some of these upcoming messages. Don't, you don't want me to stand in the pulpit and be like, hey, I'm not really excited about what I'm speaking this week. That'd be pretty bad. Remember that when you teach Bible studies, if you're not excited about the topic... They're not going to be. So find something exciting to teach or don't teach it. Okay. And so I'm going to talk about this trial to testimony. And you're going to hear some really cool stories, not just in my life, but other lives. And God, this is the way he does it. That sometimes we just look back and we go, wow, I see God's hand when I didn't at that moment. And as we reflect over past opportunities in which my wife and I have served in the kingdom, we see how our calling has been shaped. Now, there is one group of people that will not experience this, and that is those who do nothing. You're not going to look back and be like, whoa, I see God's hand in my nothingness. Okay? Don't just sit and talk about talent, calling, gifting. Get involved. The more ministries you get involved in through the years, it could be God using you to impact one life, to help develop a local church for a season to develop experience in you as a leader, to prepare you for future ministry. But as you serve in various capacities, in various areas, you're going to find things that you just really enjoy. I said I've served in all these ministries through the years, and I didn't serve in nursery, but I can't say that I look back and go, I loved every single one of them. There were some that I was just like, okay, well, if you need me, I'll be there, but... If you find somebody else, just let me know. And as you serve, you're going to experience different leadership styles because typically when you start serving, people don't usually hand you the keys to the Lamborghini we shouldn't be praying for. I'll return it, I guess. You usually will serve alongside someone. 
And guess what you're going to find when you serve as a ministry volunteer and you serve under department heads or pastoral leadership teams? You're going to see some things that you go, man, they're incredible. If I ever lead, I want to lead just like them. And there's going to be some other things that you go, if I ever get to be a leader, for the love of God, help me. I will never do it like they do it. And I'm not naive enough to think I'm a perfect leader. I know there are things I do that some of you would say, you know what, that's really good. I like that. Let's appreciate your leadership style in that area. But I know that if I pass the microphone around, which I'm not dumb enough to do, some of you would be like, yeah, you know, overall it's good, but here's one thing that drives me crazy about what you do. And so when you step into leadership, you're going to do some things that will not be like me or others that serve in leadership capacity. And this is something that will, as you serve, God develops these things in you. He keeps growing you as an individual. Don't ever believe the lie that this is just about you. Everything we do in ministry is for God and his kingdom. And when we get into trouble is when we start to believe a lie that Somehow this is about us, our name, our calling, our ministry. And, and I hear people say all the time, and I know that people don't mean anything by it, but you, don't, you will not hear me go, yeah, in my ministry, my ministry's, in my ministry, I've, I've, it's been powerful, my ministry, this, blah, 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 blah. Honestly, I'm just a conduit, I'm a vessel, so it's, it's not even necessarily my ministry. It's God working through this vessel. And I, I never want to lose that because then I might believe the lie that it somehow it became about me. Look at some of the things that Paul writes to the, those desiring to be used of God or leaders in the Ephesian church. You want to talk about principles for life. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, it says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, doesn't sound prestigious, does it? Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You are called... Refuge Church, and if I could beg you tonight, lead a life worthy of your calling. He says, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I mean, that, that is just an incredible passage of Scripture right there. He challenges us to make sure we're examining ourselves to make sure that we are right in ministry. Why is this important? Because every single area, avenue, platform in which you minister, you will always minister what's in your spirit. Talent can take you a little bit away. You can get up and sing a song. You can speak a message, you can organize a thought, you can capably, you can take public speaking lessons, you can, yes, and I know when to raise my voice and when to go like this. You could keep audiences captivated with all your skill. But if anointing is missing, it doesn't matter. And we will always in Sunday school, nursery, praise team, Speaking, teaching, preaching, playing instruments, we will minister what is in our spirit. We can think 
well, whoever leads this ministry, they don't know what I've been doing, watching, listening to, what I've been, they don't know anything about that. That's it, my private stuff. And you might be able to fool people for, a, an extended, for an extended period of time. But eventually what is in here starts to pour out. That's why I have to make sure my heart is right. My spirit is right. What's in there. A calling can sometimes be frustrating because you feel like God might be calling you to a specific ministry. But then it sometimes feels like it's a really long time to get there. Like, here's where I am. God has called me to that. But how in the world am I ever going to get there? And so, even though you're excited about that time, you wept at the altar and God spoke and he did these things. It can sometimes be frustrating because you're like, yes, Lord, I will go. And it was so powerful and God called me into this. And you're like, now what? And sometimes it takes just a long time to get there. I was 17. I didn't pastor until I was 28. And, that, and that's young for, for most United Pentecostal church circles. But that was still 11 years of just serving. When, when I was 17, I was ready at 17 to just go. At least that's what I thought in my brain. But there's always development and there's always lessons that God takes us through and prepares us. But here's the crazy thing about the lessons. When you're in the lesson, you don't even realize that you're taking the lesson. When you're a ministry director, when you're a department head, you don't even realize when you're dealing with situations that God is preparing you. It's not like, well, here's the class on being a pastor. For those who want to be pastors, here, come to this class. It's not that. You just go through things, and, and God is just pouring into you. And you know when you pour something too fast, it kind of bubbles up, and you got to let it sink back down? It just kind of goes like that to what we can handle, and it kind of goes back down, and he pours more into us, and he just prepares us for what he has for us. But when you're in it, you don't realize until later you look back and go, wow, God's hand has been on this whole process. And then it's funny because you laugh at what you think, what you thought you knew back then. And I know 10 years from now, I'm going to crack up at what I think I know tonight. But I do know that a person who feels God, God's call on his or her life, that person is never happy or fulfilled unless he or she is answering the call. Now, you might think, well, is that good? Is that bad? I, I view that as a good thing. Because if God's placed a call on your life, there should be something like, Jeremiah, a fire, a fire shut up in your bones that's going, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do what I'm called to do, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and I'm going to do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. But there's still something in me that's calling me deeper, further, higher. Part of God's calling, and this is what we, we need to understand, Part of God's calling is doing exactly what you're doing right now. 
I don't want you to believe that lie. Hear this. This is important. I don't want you to believe that lie that you are only successful when you leave and go to another place of ministry. For some of you, I know you're like, what's he talking about? I would love to speak this message at our UPC Bible colleges. Because too many students feel like they're a failure if they go back home. I have told every single one of them that have left this church to go to Bible college. Abigail, Emily, Janae, Hannah, I've told them. We will never try to tie you down if God's calling you somewhere else. But if you get to the end of Bible college and God has not clarified a call and opened a door for you somewhere else, you are not a failure to come back home and to pour yourself into local ministry. God is doing great things. <clears throat> and I told my daughter, I said, part of me wishes, I, I, there's times where I'm doing a message, I was like, oh, I should call the youth up, but I can't. They have their own plan and they have their own agenda and schedule and they're doing important things down there. But I said to her, I said, this is something tonight I wish every one of you youth could hear. Because for them, there's this pressure to like perform and to get the title and go to the next level. And even as you go into college, like well, people will start saying, well, what are you going to college for? Well, what do you plan on doing with that? Like they're always answering these questions. But don't believe the lie. Oh, you're only successful if you leave to another platform. One of the most detrimental things in ministry is comparison. Again, Bible college has happened all the time. One person would get elected for a student body position and others would not. One would be asked to preach out, others would not. One would be asked to sing or play, others would not. Some would make chorale, others would not. Some got hired for positions right out of Bible college, most did not. And if that's your circle of friends, you're constantly going, well, they went and they got that, I didn't get called, and I didn't, and all this stuff. I must be a failure. Nobody sees anything in me. I mean, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison's the thief of joy. And young men and women who felt called by God were struggling with this. But a call is answered through our circumstances, our gifting, our relationships, and many other factors about who we are. The same call of God will manifest itself in different ways in different locations throughout our lives. Don't lock yourself in, again, I'll say it, into one area of service, and then think, that you're a failure in everything else you're doing unless you get to that one area of service. If you do this, you'll be extremely frustrated at the ministry process. And I speak this tonight because some of you are called by God to go into lifelong, paid, full-time ministry. What we're going to look for a few minutes tonight is, how do I decipher that? Because not everybody is. It's not a derogatory comment to those who aren't. We're all called to make disciples. We're all called to, to minister. But how do we know to what level in calling and vocation we should be ministering? Now, I'm not saying that if you're just, 
you should just sit there and do nothing to prepare yourself. No, do everything you can to make yourself ready. I always said, with God, I always wanted to say, Lord, I have done everything in my power to prepare myself. But now you have to open the doors. Even in what we're doing right now with the church. Our church board, our leadership team, we are not busting doors down, kicking stuff down, knocking it down. We got to the place where we said, okay, door to open. I'm going to walk through it. Door open. I'm going to walk through it. Door open. I'm going to walk through it. And then all of a sudden, door got locked. Well, we need $9 million. So door's locked. And you can go, well, God, why did you take me here? But either you trust the author of the story or you don't. And so you go, okay, great. Well, then you start going, all right, I'm going to start making calls. I'm going to start looking over here. And if door opens, I walk through it. If a door closes, I, I hit pause. Sometimes I think that we're like, God, what's the one magical, even when somebody's dating too? Where's the meat needle in the haystack? So God can't, God can't connect two people. It has to only be one person in the entire world that you have to find magically. I know I'm getting some theology. Some of you believe that. That's fine. You go ahead and keep believing that. But I think we must ask, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What do I bring to the table? What are my limiting factors right now? What can I change? What can I not change? How can I grow? We're always looking to go, God, how can I develop more? If you serve in a ministry for your own good, for the good of the people you serve with and minister to, Please don't just every month, every week, just accept another, uh, uh, another uh, schedule request, another schedule request, another schedule request, and never go, in my area of ministry, how can I get better? How can I be more prepared? How can I be ready to minister in this certain area? How can we improve in this area? That is everything from playing guitar, from playing keys, from singing, from speaking, from technology, of, of adding a visual element. That's the front door. That's wherever you are. I'm not just filling a spot. I'm going, God, this is unto you, and I want to do it with everything I have. How can I get better? Oftentimes when God calls someone for what they feel is the first time, maybe you've done this, will say things like, oh, Lord, I will go anywhere. I will do anything. Just show me where I'll go tonight. Has anyone ever prayed this prayer at any point in your life when God laid something on your heart? About six of you. Might be the people that are called. I don't know, but. And that's great, that we will go wherever God calls us to go. But oftentimes, you know what his call begins with? Stay. And to be honest, it's actually more difficult to stay than to go. And God will often test and develop us in the realm of the local church. If we cannot be faithful to a local church or a ministry, God's not going to call us to another church or ministry. Jesus tells the parable, and although the context is about money, the overlying principle remains the same. Luke 16, 10, he says, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. 
So if, I'm, if I want God to call me into something, well, I'm just on the cleaning team. If I can't meet my requirement to clean and do it well one time a month, I'm not ready for anything else. Every Christian's called to be an active part of the body of Christ. And this should be characterized by things like compassion for people, love for God's word, a consistent prayer life, desire to participate in the mission of the local church, a renewed or deeper commitment to holiness. Those should all be there. But just because you feel one of these things does not necessarily mean that you're called to a life of ministry. When I say life of ministry, I'm referring to life of full-time ministry. You see, Ephesians 4 starts out with some general principles for believers and those looking to minister in the local church. But then Paul starts to talk to the leaders in churches, and he spells out the five-fold ministry, which we're going to go to a conference next week. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, he says, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Notice that when you step into leadership, you're not just doing the work yourself anymore, but you're called to equip other people to do the work. And that's why I think, in my humble opinion, a lot of churches won't grow because the lead person's trying to do all the work. Doesn't mean the lead person shouldn't get involved and lead by example, but a leader is called to equip the body to do the work because if I do all the work versus if all of us do all the work, we're much more effective that way. And so this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll mature in the Lord, measuring up to full and complete standard of Christ. And for them, in addition to Christian principles and lifestyle instruction of the local church, Paul then lists additional things for people wanting to be church leaders. He gives Timothy, in his first letter to him, a list in 1 Timothy 3.1. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader should be a man who is li- whose life is above reproach. Now, I think we could safe to say that it's a person. This was obviously written at a different time. But you could be a person whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife, exercise self-control, Live wisely and have a good reputation. And reputation takes years to establish and seconds to lose. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. If you don't like people, you probably are not called to lead in a church. I mean, church is... People. Somebody said once, pastoring is easy, it's just the people. Well, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. He must not be a heavy drinker or violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. Man, I'm still working on that at times, I guess. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must not be a new believer. It's not being derogatory to a new believer, but says he might become proud. The devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church 
must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. I never want to discourage anyone from stepping into higher, deeper levels of leadership. God can use you, and I believe he wants to use you. But I also remember growing up, and our elder Tamil, elder pastor that founded the church, he always said, if I had a dollar for every time someone came up to me and told me they were called by God to minister, I'd have a lot of extra money. At a church of 1,400 people, man, I can't tell how many times he probably heard that. Just in our church, I've heard it several times. Recently, some point in the last couple years, someone came up. I'm called by God to minister. I'm called to be an evangelist. Well, that person was gone within a few weeks of telling me that. Why? Because we feel these powerful altar calls, and we want to respond to God, but it takes some development, takes some consistencies, takes some, some life principles, some spiritual disciplines, and it takes some things that God's going to teach and train us. Because sometimes we have a mistaken, a, we've mistaken a, a, a burden for the lost, a zeal for God, a desire for self-improvement as a call to vocational, when I say vocational, paid, full-time, whole life ministry, when really it's just a call from God for you to be what he's calling every Christian to be. Author Donald Whitney lists 10 things that should not be mistaken for vocational ministry. And that's ambition to be noticed, to prove yourself, to make a difference. Confidence that you could do well in ministry. No doubt, I've preached some messages that you're sitting there going, boy, if he could do this, I could do better than that. <laughs> and you're right. But that doesn't mean you're called into vocational ministry because of that one point. Compassion for hurting people, we should all have that, does not mean. Confusion about a mystical experience. You'd be amazed what we hear sometimes. Fluency in public speaking. You know, I'm a really great speaker. I could get up there every Sunday and Wednesday and put together a thought. You're right. Doesn't mean that you're called to vocational ministry. Knowledge of the Bible. Praise God, I hope we all have that. Failure at all other types of work. <laughs> well, these other six things didn't work. Might as well try that. The stories I could tell. Belief that ministry would be the best means to an easy life. Yeah, pastor, he seems like he only works Wednesday nights and Sunday afternoons. That, I would like that gig. Intellectual pursuits or wealth. I don't know a lot of people that went into ministry to get wealthy. Acquiescence to the expectations of a parent or a selfish opinion of others. Hey, you're really a sp you're special. You need to look into ministry. You, you hear that long enough, you're like, all right. You'd be shocked at how many parents send their, send their children to Bible college to try to line them up straight. And then you get to Bible college and see some crazy stuff. Conviction that the church needs you. These are, these are not even all bad things. Some of these things are great things. But it does not mean I'm called to full-time ministry. There are countless ways to fulfill the common call to ministry. 
that are rewarding and meaningful. Faithfulness in worship, commitment to spiritual disciplines such as prayer, fasting, giving, Bible reading, living a life of holiness, serving in ministries of the church, including teaching, administrative tasks, caring for people, teaching home Bible studies, making disciples, praying with seekers, and more. These are things that we should all be doing these things. I'm glad they agree with me. God has placed many gifts within the church for the purpose of growing that local assembly. Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If it's, if it's your gift to encourage others, then be encouraging if it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it, do it gladly. Think about it. The two greatest revival that we read about in Acts were not at the hands of the apostles. Know that? They were at the hands of Philip and Stephen. And those two men were called the wait tables. Man, there's some perspective. When I say common call, that's not a derogatory comment, just to clarify. When one steps into any form of Christian ministry in any level, anything you do is as unto the Lord. And with that comes power and anointing if you take that serious. But how do you know that you are indeed called to be a licensed minister, a full-time minister. And I'm talking about this because this is practical stuff. This is not to elevate someone with a license or someone who has a vocational call. We are all vital to the kingdom of God. But I just want to answer some of these questions for those who might have it. And then in the future, when people say, hey, I, want to, I can say, go back and listen to this message. The following things should be a minimum. A minimum. Number one, a passion for God. J.T. Pugh said, one of the first evidences of a ministerial call is a strong heart hunger for a close relationship with God. Don't desire the pulpit before God. I never want to stand in a pulpit having prepared a sermon rather than having heard from God. Two, feeling unfulfilled while engaged in the consistent serving of Christian ministry in the local church, feeling like there's more. As you serve, there should be something in there going, I'm going to do this well. This is not below me. But man, I feel that call. Three, a passion for lost souls. J.T. Pugh again said, it's hard to visualize a man or a woman being called to preach who never witnesses to the lost, who does not work with seekers at the altar, who does not weep for sinners in secret. My dad always used to say, it's the house I was raised in. Boy, if you ain't never taught no Bible study, don't bother getting your license. He says, I wish our organization would change it and never give anybody a license that hasn't won a soul to God. passion for the things of God, be it preaching or helping with mundane tasks at the church, 
I don't think we should be conference dwellers and going asking for autographs from the speakers. They're men and women just like us. But if camps and conferences and conventions have zero appeal to you, why? There should be something in us that go, man, I want to get around the people of God any chance that I can get. I want to hear the word of God. I want to worship with people of like precious faith. I want to be challenged. I want to be convicted. I want to grow. I drive my kids crazy sometimes. We were in Texas, and I said, I'd love to do a Texas church tour. And they thought I was kidding, but I literally stopped at like three churches. I'm like, man, you got Brother McKee down here and Brother Shaw, and you got Brother Cisco. These are some, Brother Gurley, there's some great churches that are doing great things in the kingdom. I'd love to just sit in on some of these services. And then they remind me we're on vacation. An inclination towards spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, reading the word, being in church, giving. A readiness to live a life of service and even sacrifice. Well, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing that. You know, I feel like, what does God want my whole life? Well, <laughs> maybe. Sacrifice. A desire to know and communicate the word of God. An overall concern for people. It's just a big scope. Like, I just care about people, right? That, if we're going to be in ministry, that should be a basic thing. And then that the call is confirmed by others. Too many times I've talked to people, I don't care what anybody says, I, God's called me. Okay, that's good. But someone else who serves as a covering anywhere should confirm that call. There should be someone saying, there's times we've interviewed people in North American missions. Oh, my pastor so-and-so. And I call their pastor. Yeah, I ain't seen that guy in years. And I'm like, <laughs> Filtering through all these things can be challenging. Why? No one wants to miss the call of God. But also stepping into an area to which you are not called will destroy your life your family, possibly eternity. So we don't want to step into something that we're either not called to or not ready for. If you feel you might be called to be, let's say, a licensed minister, maybe pursue a vocational ministry, ask yourself the following questions. Lots of questions, lots of things. I wanted this to be practical tonight, and I know that the three of you that are taking notes, you're going to enjoy this later. Number one, what can you not do now that you could do once you get a ministerial license? Is the, I mean, I just always dreamed about being a licensed minister. Great, thank God for your dreams, but why? Why? What can you not do right now that you need a license for? Number two, does your character meet God's expectations? Three is your household in order. We just read about what Paul told Timothy. Four, has God gifted you to teach and preach his word? 
5, does the church affirm your calling? 6, do you love the people of God? 7, are you passionate about the gospel and the great commission to go make disciples? 8, are you presently engaged in consistent and fruitful ministry? Nine, are you ready to defend the faith because it's coming? It's already here. Ten, are you willing to live a life of sacrifice and surrender? A call to vocational ministry has three parts, and I'm just about done. God calls, a person answers, and the local church recognizes the call. I know people can argue this. Are you kidding me? Whatever. God calls me. I don't need to. I don't need to. By the way, I didn't make this PowerPoint. I'm not trying to push my own book. But thanks for that. That's nice. But it is, it is a good book for this topic. Actually. But, um, you can tell I'm passionate about this topic. But a call to vocational ministry, people could say, well, God called me. I don't need no man or woman to validate my call. That's what scripture lays out. Even in Acts, Apostle Paul couldn't just go off running. There was Peter and they had to send people to go check on things. There was accountability, there was structure, there was organization. When the church recognizes a call that extends into what could be vocational ministry, then the pastor will suggest or sign off on the organization issuing a ministerial license. But a ministerial license should not be sought as the first step or the open door to ministry. Be amazed at how many people think that. Ministerial license is an affirmation of the ministry of one that's already begun. A person seeking a ministerial license will have already been heavily involved in ministry, having fruitful ministry where disciples are being made, living a life of example. And so as I close, I promise you next week, it'll pertain to everybody. Tonight, I understand that it pertains to many of us because we've all been called to minister. We've all been called to make disciples. We've all been called to live a holy, separated, sanctified life unto him and to love people. But for those who are going, yeah, but what next? Keep serving. Serve with all your heart. But what about a license? What about vocational ministry? Well, that might be you. And I believe God is calling some people here to that. I believe he's aiming to lay out the path. But the first thing we want to do is make sure my spirit's right. And make sure that some of these lists that we've talked about tonight, I don't want to skip that and go to leading or skip that and go to the pulpit because being a pastor since I was 17 I, I, I can tell you I'm, I'm living my dream like I even when things are tough or somebody comes to me with a problem like I'm I feel like God's called me to be there to help someone in their journey and I'm honored to serve your families but there are some things that 
when you step into this role, you just can't explain the spiritual battles and some of the some of the challenges that go along with it. And that's not for you to feel bad for me because I love, I'm honored to be serving in this role. But I know that what I thought I was ready for at 17, oh my Lord Jesus, had he opened that door, that would have been a disaster. And so there's just some things that we go through and some people would say you passed the hurt test. There's some things through the wilderness and through the journey when God calls, David, I'm anointing you. But first you're gonna get javelins chucked at your head and run around and hide out in caves. And No, I'm calling you to do this, but you know what? You're gonna be really cute and it's gonna be a long time building this boat. Abraham, I got a promise for you, but you know what? You're going to sit tight for a while. Moses, you're going to be a deliverer, but first for 40 years, you're just going to run through the wilderness. You're going to have a family, and there's going to be some things developed in you that are going to get you ready for this next phase. Don't despise the process. If you're called by God, He's got a plan. He's doing things right now. He's molding and shaping some things. He's preparing some things. And as hard as it can be, just go, man, I'm going to take a deep breath and go, God, thank you so much. I am going to enjoy. I'm going to enjoy this process. And what you're molding and shaping, pouring things in, taking things out, taking me through things, learning how to deal with situations, with people, with problems and struggles and challenges, developing things in me. And I pray that even when we get to the point we feel like God's calling you, as in me saying, I'm thrilled to be here and serve in this role, I still ain't going to talk like, oh, I've arrived. Yes, I remember when I became a pastor. and that's it. I hope that I never stop still growing and thriving for God, striving for God, and just, Lord, mold me, shape me, do what you want to do in me, prepare me, Lord Jesus. So I invite you to stand to your feet. No matter what ministry you're called to, if it's local church ministry, ministerial license, vocational ministry, no matter, every person is so critical and crucial to the cause of Christ and the body of Christ. But no matter what you're called to, we all are called to first and foremost prepare ourselves to guard our spirits. It's so easy when God starts moving, you start saying, yeah, my ministry, and when I did this, and I'll never forget when I, God, listen, praise God, I'm glad he used you, but remember, it's all about him. Guard our spirits, stay humble, serve with excellences unto the Lord, and make sure that the spirit that we're ministering is right. And so I invite you to come and to find a place to pray tonight before you leave. And to make sure that whatever ministry you're in, whatever ministry he's calling you to, start with the examination of the heart. Start with our own spirits. Start with what's in here going, God, is this right? Is this right?